Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Um, what do we have today? Well, the Champions League and Europa League group stages have come to a conclusion. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United will be playing in the Europa League again this season after being knocked out of their group by RB Leipzig, PSG and, to a lesser extent, Istanbul Basaksi here. Um, but more importantly, the French side and, and, and Basaksi here staged a walk-off in their final group game, as um, many people will have seen, uh, in response to the alleged racist abuse and, and labour suffered by Bashak Sihir's first team coach Pierre Webo. Um, I'm sure this this strikes a tone with many people and you know as we as we enter 2021 it does leave a rather bitter taste in the mouth that racism in football and, and from officials no less um, despite it being misunderstanding um, is still present even sort of in the apex of club competitions um, and, and from all of us at Scouted we must also give a shout out to Bright Osei Samuel and, and Ilias Chair of, uh, of QPR who took a stand uh, or took a knee rather in front of Millwall supporters as a show of solidarity uh, and powerful symbolism towards Black Lives Matter. Um, that was, of, of course, in response to the booing that ensued before Millwall's championship fixture with Derby County last weekend. Uh, and everyone at Scouted Football recognises the struggle for equality in all forms, uh, and we celebrate meaningful action and peaceful protest, which is what BLM takes a knee for. Now, onto the football. As I mentioned earlier, we saw the Champions League and Europa League group stage draw to a close. Uh, and rather topically, RB Leipzig and, and Julian Nagelsmann made it through their group. Um, it was not to be the same case for Red Bull Salzburg, though, who enjoyed the better of the chances against Atletico Madrid uh, and would have qualified for the knockout stage for the first time had they beaten the Spaniards. Um, but, you know, that Diego Simeone is a wily old character, isn't he? Um, so, as you may have guessed, today's pod is on Red Bull, uh, and more pertinently, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, the, the footballing talent factory in, in Austria, whose notable uh, alumni include some of European football's great players and coaches. Um, and with me to discuss all things Salzburg, I'm, I'm very glad to, to say is, is Karen Tewani, uh, author of Wings of Change, which I think is a brilliant title for a book based on a club funded by uh, Dietrich Mateschitz's Red Bull Empire. Uh, Karen, how, how are we today? I'm doing very well, Joe. Thank you for having me on. No, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, we've we've sort of been discussing in in our scouted circles. Um, uh, when you see sort of football books come out, we, we we're very interested to speak to the authors behind them. And you know, for for a club who who pride themselves on their young footballing talent, you know, Red Bull Salzburg is a is a, is a fantastic club to to do sort of a a, a biopic on, essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, how, how do you get to, to sort of start writing a book about such a, a an interesting club for a number of reasons? Yeah, um, Red Bull Salzburg and the entire Red Bull Empire is a very fascinating project and what they do is very, very interesting, um, you know, and very suited to Scouted as well. Um, so uh, we've seen over the years how they've had so many players coming through, all of them very young, very talented. And it doesn't just come from one club, it's just across the whole empire whether it's in Brazil or, or New York or uh, in Leipzig and Salzburg, obviously. But, um, you know, the idea of the book came about when I always knew what they were doing and it was very fascinating to watch. It was very interesting. But the idea of the book mainly came into my head when I watched uh, Leipzig last season play against Mainz and they beat them 8-0 in the end. And the fact that they were so relentless in their football and their pressing and in their aggressiveness, I think it made me wonder why a group that's so despised around Germany um, is is doing so many things right. And I wanted to explore that even further. And that, that was where the idea of Wings of Change was born. And um, 
I decided to proceed with that. And I learned a lot of things along the way by speaking to people involved in the project, whether they're involved in Europe or anywhere else in the world. And um, yeah, it, it brought along a lot of fascinating insights. So um, yeah, I was happy to put that in the book. Oh no, absolutely! I'm I'm sure it does. Um, and and just to give people sort of a flavour of what's inside, um, who did you who did you speak with while putting the book together? As you know, I'm sure there there are plenty of influential people at the likes of Leipzig and Salzburg who perhaps aren't as well known as as they should be, or, or some of the players. Yeah, um, a lot of people from around the world actually. Uh, most of them being journalists, but a few of the people that I that the most interesting one was perhaps Ernst Tanner, who was formerly the academy director at Red Bull Salzburg. He now works in MLS with uh, Philadelphia Union. Uh, but he was the most interesting person to speak to because he had close links to people like Ralph Ranjik and the rest of the model. You know, Red Bull themselves, they're very uh, restrictive with regards to who, they, who, who the media can speak to. You know, they weren't very open about giving me that many people as other clubs would be. But, um, and I imagine that's justifiable in their sense because they probably imagine it'll be in a negative light. But, but um I, I did manage to get a hold of Ernst Tanner, who was, as I mentioned, the former academy director, and he provided a lot of insights about uh, the model and how they work and, you know, how they did training and how they improved players uh, year after year and produced players for the first team. So he was the most interesting person to speak to. And um, I feel that his chapter when I wrote it was perhaps the most enjoyable to write because he was so open about it and he was so passionate about his work. You know, it was under him that they won the UEFA Youth League in 2017. So he was very, um, you know, as I said, passionate about what he was saying. So he was the most interesting one. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that yeah. the, the UEFA Youth League, I think that win kind of put Salzburg on, on the radar for a lot of people who perhaps weren't taking note of what they'd been doing in, in sort of the 10 years before when they'd been sort of taken over by Red Bull, um, you know, because they, they actually had this this excellent young team uh, at their disposal then. And obviously, you know, a lot of players from that crop have gone on to do very well. So Ernst Hanna, I think, you know, is a is a huge name to be, to be um to be interviewed and, and sort of gain insight from. Yeah. Um and I suppose it with his position as Academy Director, it makes most sense to start at the beginning as well. Um, you know, Red Bull are obviously synonymous throughout the world as an energy drinks brand, but you know, they own the, the football clubs in um in the US, Brazil, Germany, Austria. You know, how how from from what you learned, you know, how did they come to acquire and build up these, you know, once lesser clubs, uh, at least in the cases of Leipzig and Salzburg into sort of clubs that are, that are challenging at the top of their at the top of their game. Yeah, the the biggest um, it's easy to market off as just being you know these guys have a lot of money and they can do whatever they want. And while it is true, there's also been a lot of trial and error with regards to the people they've employed. The biggest change came around when Ralph Renier came around in 2012, and he changed the whole structure. You know, people the the general assumption, especially now that Leipzig have become so popular and they play in the Champions League, play against Man United and clubs like that. The biggest assumption is that they had an easy ride, but they actually didn't in the, in the first few years because of that constant chopping and changing and, you know, not finding the right people. Between 2009, when they were founded, and 2012, they were struggling in the lower divisions despite having all that money, but they didn't know how to use it. So until Ralph Rania came around, that did not change. Um, and obviously since then, they've become this massive behemoth in Germany and eventually the trophies will come. Um, but but with regards to the other clubs, it was it was a very similar aspect because they faced backlash from... The, the the natives as a city as well they didn't want the presence of Red Bull and you know it, this sort of impure, uh, very modern presence that that would ruin the traditions of the club. So it, it took a lot of attempting to win over people, which they did successfully in most places. And while they do face a lot of backlash, there's also 
from a worldwide perspective, there's a lot more praise coming their way in these days because of what they do and, you know, the good things they do for football. And, and you know, very often the assumption is that I'm a fan of what they do, but I'm actually not. I'm actually against against their model. But while I can say that, I can also admit that the way they go about their business when it comes to football on the pitch, it's it's undeniably one of the best in Europe. Yeah, I think you can you can make the, the the discernment there. You know, you can be a fan of the the football that they put on display, but I think the process and the principle of it you can be against. Yeah. Um, and I, and obviously that is that is um the the feeling in Germany, especially towards Leipzig, is that you know perhaps you know they they're not thought of too fondly because their ownership model sneers at the fifty plus one rule um, that, that German clubs have there. And, and you know, I think it's sort of going again. You know most football clubs are always going to go against the grain of sort of the imperialist Red Bull coming in and, and trying to, to leave their stamp on, on, on once provincial clubs or local clubs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when teams, when, when an, an empire like Red Bull circumvents the traditions to an extent, you know, that's, that's not going to sit too well. Um, yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. With regards to Salzburg, though, that you know they're they're probably most famed for their academy, as as you touched on just then, um, and you know I, I've I've described it on this podcast as a conveyor belt far too many times, um, so I'm not going to trot out that little trope again. Um, but you know, in terms of the structure of the academy, because you know you, you mentioned about there, you know it, there are, there has been a lot of money pumped into this, there has been a lot of money flowing through it, but ultimately it's been an evolution. Um, to to get to the point where they're now consistently producing very very good players who then go on to major European leagues, um, you know that doesn't just happen overnight. That doesn't happen by chance. You know why is it so successful? Is it you know the elite coaching, the elite scouting, uh, perhaps in underappreciated markets, or or just a combination of factors? It's a combination of all those factors, indeed. You know, money is the easy way to put it, but even the people they've employed and the network they bring along with them is is probably second to none you know you we mentioned the 2017 um uefa youth league earlier i think of that as the most important um trophy in the red bull empire you know austria salzburg have won the austrian Bundesliga a couple of times but actually for most of the last decade uh leipzig have reached the champions league semi-final last season but this is perhaps the most important one because it gave some sort of legitimacy to what they're doing and the clubs they beat along the way as well um you know likes of psg manchester city uh, Barcelona and Benfica, clubs like clubs who've had history in the, in the youth department and clubs who've had this a certain amount of money to invest, they've beaten all of them and come and and they've won won the trophy in a very impressive way. So that sort of sets them apart. But with regards to what they do itself, it's a very structured way of going about their business. You know, they have top coaches like Marco Ruzov come come through their academy level. People like Ernst Tanner, as we mentioned before, who've had experiences in the Bundesliga and you know, when Ernst Tanner was working in the Bundesliga, he worked at several clubs and he had success at that level too, you know, bringing up players like Kevin Wolland and a few others. But, um, you know, when, when it comes to Salzburg itself, Ralph Raniak has always been a, a big advocate of using modern technology and he employed that at Red Bull Salzburg, bringing in some of, you know, the biggest international sort of developed, internationally developed technology. And, um, they tried to combine the best international young players with the best local ones and they focus around that and it's a very structured model that's been very successful for them yeah absolutely and i think 
you know, it can't be understated sort of the impact that Ralph Ranić has had on yep. on this this model and how why it's so successful now and why he's still such a revered coach to an extent. It's interesting that you mentioned Marco Rosa as well, of course, the second to last uh, RB Salzburg manager um, who who did have a very good night last night. I imagine um, having qualified for uh, for the the Champions League group yep. stage with with Mönchengladbach, which you know was a huge achievement for them. Um, so, I mean, it, it just goes to show that, you know, it's not just the players that are developing at Salzburg, you know, it's it's the coaching um, mm. that it's also nurtured there. And, and that's gone on to, to benefit a, a, a historic German club, um, you know, that, that was perhaps a, a bit bigger in the 70s uh, and, and had fallen by the wayside a little bit, um, but is now sort of back amongst the, the German elite at yeah. least, um, if not... Um, the, the the European elite by, by being in the knockouts and his his record in Europe as well in for such a young coach well, he's forty four now which is relatively young for coaches for such a young coach he's done very well in Europe you know he's reached a a, a, Europe, a Europa League semi final with Salzburg and he's won the Europe UEFA Youth League a couple of years before that um, and now he's he's gone to the Champions League round of sixteen for the first time so for such a young coach he's done very well for himself hasn't he. Oh, absolutely, and and I think you know just the, the he's reaping the rewards, and and that's yeah. that's that's a good thing to see that you know that the the process and the pathways are there. But yeah. I mean, w- w- the first thing I think about when I hear Red Bull Salzburg is is the scouting, um, and then sort of a little offshoot from that is you know the players that they've scouted, you know they've they've, they've plucked from relative obscurity. You know, you've got Enoch and Wepu and Pats and Daka from Zambia, um, you know Diadi Samaseku, Nabi Keita, Sadio Mane. It's like they know how to identify excellent players regardless like despite them not playing at a level or an environment that's anywhere comparable to the one they'd be acclimatizing to in Austria but they just know how to spot them and no club has come close to matching this yet I don't think or at least very few clubs have you know in in such a such a market like Africa um you know it you know some of their biggest success stories today have been these African players you know the ones that are coming through now you know you look at Sekou Koita um he's going to be uh, a, a very important player. He already is a very important player yeah. for for, the, for Red Bull Salzburg this season. Um, but I mean, for you, from from speaking to people, what, what was it about their scouting of Africa that sort of sets them apart? Because you know, as I said, they've seemed to be one of very very few clubs who consistently do it well. Yeah, it's a very refined model, and they try to form links with agencies, with youth academies in the in the continent that can help them find the best of the best. You know, I spoke to. Um, uh, Benjamin Savale from Kafue Celtics, which was the club that Pat Sindaka and Enokongwepu played for uh, before they moved to Austria. And he mentioned that they try to work closely with um, the, 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 the agency called 12 Management, which is the agency run by, um, I can't remember his name. Is it uh, Freddie Canute? <laughs> uh, Freddie Canute, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I had a bit of a brain fart there. But yeah, Freddie Canute, uh, he, he works closely, Red Bull worked closely with uh, 12 Management and they try to, you know, find the best players in each of the countries that they're involved with. So both Pats and Dhaka and Enokumwepu are represented by 12 management. So they try to find the best talent that's contracted to that agency as well. And, um, you know, they, they try to diversify where they're finding these players from. So, you know, if you look at the players they've had over the last few years, from countries like Zambia, a few from Ivory Coast, a few from Senegal and Guinea. Um, and it, those players sort of fit the Red Bull way, you know. They, they come in at a very low cost. Because obviously they're, they're very un, unnurtured players in a way they've been, they've not been scouted very well, but they come at a very low cost. They come at a they they bring a lot of talent with them and they bring a lot of proficiencies that Red Bulls that the Red Bull model requires. You know that sort of energy to sort of go around the whole field, cover ground as much as they can, and press highly and 
they have the mentality as well to want to win and want to succeed and want to grow in their careers. And because they're so young, you know, a, a very crucial uh, point in the Ralph Ragnick way is that he he prefers younger players to older players because there's a difference in mentality because younger players want to succeed, whereas older players sort of want to protect their reputation. So because these unnurtured players who come from a very, most of them come from a, a much lower background than the older ones or, or the European ones, they want to succeed and want to grow in their careers. So, um, you know, it's not just the football talent itself, it's the mentality and the football background that makes them so successful with Red Bull. And, you know, as I said before, the coaches itself at Salzburg or Leipzig, because they're so good, they know how to make, how to work around these players and make the best out of them. So it's a combination of a lot of factors, namely around scouting and wanting to find the best talent that want to succeed. Yeah, there's, there's, there always seems to be a, a humility about the players. I mean, from from everything that I've seen and, and read um, uh, of Pat Sendaka, you know, he's he's always very, very um, insistent that, that he's very grateful for the pathway that he was given. You know, he, he counts himself fortunate. You know, this is this is a very, very, very talented player um, who who has got to where he is already and will go to a, to a much bigger club on his own merits. But, he, he you know, he's very... Uh, I just I like the fact that he's very humble about where he's where, where he's come from um, and and sort of you know the, the help that he's been given along the way by various coaches whether that's you know along with agents and that sort of thing as well um, but it's not just Africa though is it you know they sign young players from from other areas in Europe you know Dominic Soboslai from from Hungary Kari Madiemi from uh, Bayern and Unterhaching in yeah. Germany uh, Noah Okafor came from Switzerland Rasmus Christensen mm. uh, the Dane signed from the Netherlands um, even Brendan Aronson will be arriving from the US and Philadelphia Union in a matter of weeks. I wonder if Ernst Hanna has something to do with that. Umar <laughs> um, Saleh, Antoine yeah. Bonnet, you know, they, 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 there are a number, number of players, you know, they're scouting. Um, it, they, they have more hits than misses, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's sim- it must be similar to, to that model that they have in Africa, really. Um, but one of the things that always gets me is that very much in the same way that that perhaps Ajax do, you know, whenever Salzburg sell one of their best products, because that is the business model, essentially, they know they won't be able to keep them forever. Um, there is another player ready to slot in and fill that role almost seamlessly. You know, you look at Dakar, he did it with Erling Haaland this time last year, even though he'd been plugging away and, to be honest, was was scoring quite well, but was being overshadowed by Haaland. Um, but, you know, he just picked up from where he left off on the goal scoring front. You know, you you get the impression that when, not if, Dakar moves on, uh, you, you've got Karim Adeyemi coming through, um, even Junior Adamu, you know, both excellent strikers who've who've been prolific for for, for Liefering and in, in Austria's second tier. You know, is it is this sort of preparedness for the inevitable loss of important players one of the major keys to their continued success, do you think? Yeah, it is, absolutely. Um it's often been mentioned that, you know, when one player leaves, they they've always got one ready ready-made to step into the shoes. And a part of the reason for that is the coaching. You know, you mentioned earlier about the scouting they do in Europe itself. And because of FIFA laws not permitting players under the age of 18 moving across countries, they try to form links with um, their families so that when the time comes, they do move there with with no hesitation. You know, they sell the club and they sell the model and they sell the success that these players will have this sort of pathway uh, in the coming years and that's what appeals to younger players and, and their families so that they can move to one of the Red Bull clubs um, but as for players itself it comes down to coaching and very good coaching in the end because they want um, all of their players to play in a similar way with that high pressing high aggressiveness and you know maintain that energy throughout the game and that's not just in the European clubs it's across all all four Red Bull clubs that's why players and coaches can transition so easily 
you know, Jesse Marsh is a very good, he's not a player, but Jesse Marsh is a very good example of this. He's worked for three different Red Bull clubs and all three of them, he's been fairly successful, you know, with, with New York Red Bulls. He won three support, he won two supporter shields with um, Leipzig. He worked as an assistant and they reached the DFE Pokal together with Ralph Raniak. And now with Salzburg, he's won the Bundesliga once and he's almost reached the last 16 in the Champions League twice. So um, because he almost has to just come over and just work with the newer profile of players, he's able to do it so easily because he's learned the way in New York and in Leipzig. And it's the same thing for players. And the, the playing philosophy is set across all, uh, all clubs and all age groups. So because they don't have much adaptation to do in that sense, uh, they can do it with ease. The only adaptation comes with the different age group and the different physicality. But in their mind, the playing philosophy is set. So it's no surprise that Patson Dhaka was able to come in and replace Haaland with, with ease. And when Haaland, uh, when Dhaka goes, there's players like Adeyemi or Noah Kofor that can come in and, um, you know, sort of take over the mantle. And it's the same case for all the other players in, at Salzburg and Leipzig, that if players leave, there's always one ready, which is why the Leipzig and Salzburg um almost the relationship they have where they transfer players so often it's worked so seamlessly because they all know the way yeah I mean for obvious reasons as you've just disclosed you know a lot of players from Salzburg do end up at, at Leipzig um, and, and that, I suppose that's a manageable transition up the league system in Europe and it's not too much of, uh, of an environmental switch um, you know considering that Salzburg and, and Leipzig are sort of in the same sort of general area in Europe um, yeah. You know, and I, and I suppose for Red Bull as well, it also makes sense from sort of an asset point of view to keep them within their own system, um, mm. because that way, you know, you're not you're not losing them to a direct rival. You know, if Salzburg lose a player to Leipzig, and I say lose in a very loose term, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's 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 not as painful as if they were to lose them to to Bayern Munich, for example, or Borussia Dortmund in Erling Haaland's case. You know, we saw that with this sort of the the mini transfer saga over uh, who would secure Haaland's signature this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose with the success that, that they've had, you know, you would think that this makes the Austrian Bundesliga a, a rather uncompetitive league because obviously Salzburg have all these resources. But, you know, I suppose that couldn't be further from the truth, especially this year as well. You know, we've already seen this season in the Europa League. Uh, Rapid Vienna gave Arsenal quite a good go and then Lask drew with, with Spurs. And, you know, the, the, the title race is well and truly on. So they do have to be on, they have, they have to be on it on all fronts. It's not like Jesse Marsh is just getting his players up for these Champions League ties. Um, but on on that topic, sort of on a more continental level, you know, Salzburg finished third in their Champions League group again, um, and and obviously will drop into the Europa. Uh, you know, last year they had uh, was it Liverpool, Napoli. Liverpool and Napoli, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 this year they had uh, Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid to to contend with. You know, if they're always going to be sort of the third or fourth seed in 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 these groups. You know how difficult is it going to be to progress further than the group stage in the Champions League for a club coming from Austria in Salzburg's case? Yeah, that's that's very often the case. And Ernst Tanner, when I spoke to him, said a very similar thing that this is as far as an Austrian club can go in the Champions League because of, firstly, the coefficient coefficient ranking, which is helped mainly by Salzburg and their success. You know, the other, the other Austrian clubs don't go further than the group stage in the Europa League. It's very rare to see them go past it. Last obviously did last year. And, Salzburg as well. Um, but because of their coefficient ranking being so poor, Salzburg will always be in pot three or pot four and will always get a difficult draw or most likely will get a difficult draw all the time. But so, 
you know, seeing them compete and taking it to the final match day where qualification is still in their hands, that's about as far as they can go. And especially with the model Red Bull employee, you know, these players aren't old, you know, they aren't experienced at this level. If you, if you watch the game against Atletico Madrid yesterday, you'll notice that Atletico Madrid knew exactly what they were doing and never and never at any point were they uh, in trouble despite conceding so many chances to some of the best players at Salzburg. You know, Schabuzla had a very good chance, but he uh, he sent it wide. And, um, but but that's the, sort, that's the sort of thing. They had the know-how, they had the experience, and that's what Salzburg don't have despite having all the talent. So um, with the model they imply, employ and... The, the group and the, and the pot they're in with pot three or pot four, where they will have a difficult group, it's always likely that they end up in the Europa League. But that's that's something to be ashamed about, considering how uh, distant the top five leagues in Europe are to the rest of Europe. So I think they're doing very well for themselves in Europe. And if in the Europa League they get to at least make the quarterfinals this season, which is a reasonable target, I think it'll be a very successful run. Yeah, because I mean, you only you only need to look at sort of the the teams that are also dropping into the Europa League yeah. along with um, Salzburg. You know, you've got Shakhtar Donetsk, who are you know perpetual Europa League semi finalists. It seems, mm-hmm. um, you know, Olympiakos, arguably the biggest club in Greece. Ajax, hugely historic club. Um, you know, Club Bruges, the same for yeah. Belgium, and and even Manchester United this year as well. Um, so you know, there's. There are there are you know very storied clubs who perhaps may have a richer history than Salzburg, but you know Salzburg are, are, are doing the business now because they've, they've they're, they're reaping the rewards of the the excellent coaching that they've had, um, the 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 pathways that they and the, and the relationships that they've established, um, sort of with the satellite clubs and with the um, the ability to to integrate young players into the team um, and 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 still not not skip a beat essentially you know keep winning games and, and manage to integrate players. Um, yeah, it's 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 a positive thing, uh, and and again, as you say, you know, it's it should be no, uh, it should be, in, exactly, yeah, yeah, it should be no shame in 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 being a, a Europa League team because yeah. I'm sure there's there's fans of clubs everywhere who who are listening to this, you know, who who'll be thinking, you know, I, I wish we were competing in the Europa League, never mind, yeah, exactly. um, being when, disappointed. Yeah, and when you consider the, top, the the last sixteen for the last two years, it's mainly been dominated by clubs in the top five leagues, except, except for Porto this year. Who are the only non-top five club to be in the last sixteen? It's it's nothing to be ashamed of in the end because that's how it is. That's how football is right now, isn't it? It's where the elite are winning, mm. and clubs like Salzburg or Ajax, who've who've got a good football model going, they can't exactly win because they don't have that sort of uh, resources in, in, present to them. So there's no shame in that at all. The sweethearts for the neutrals, I think, is, yeah. is how you could perhaps describe Ajax and Salzburg. Yeah. But less, less so Salzburg because of the the Red Bull link. But, um, but yeah, you know, the the teams that have stocked the young players who who everybody wants to do well. But oh, Atalanta just got in their way, or Atletico yeah. Madrid, the pragmatism of Simeone and and Gasparini's attacking. Yeah. You know, sometimes that'll uh, that'll triumph. But on, on the topic of managers, um. You know, there's we've discussed Jesse March obviously, and he's done fantastically well um, since taking the top job at Salzburg. Um, but you, you know, you were saying how he's he's been in the in the Red Bull system for quite a while, probably about five years or so now. Um, you know, is there's I don't know. Do you, do you, do you see him going on to be sort of a, a top level manager? You know, could you ever see him? Yeah. I don't know managing RB Leipzig if Julian Nagelsmann went and took a bigger job, for example. Yeah, for sure, definitely. He's he's a very talented coach, very similar to uh, the people that came before him, whether it's Ralph Ranić or or Roger Schmidt, who was at Salzburg, or Marco Rosa. And as I mentioned, they've all got the similar playing philosophy. So you know, watching his football is always very attractive, and 
very engaging in a way. Um, but I can definitely see him working at a top-level European club, especially in the Bundesliga. You know, three of the last four Salzburg coaches have ended in the Bundesliga. That's Roger Schmidt, Marco Rosa and um, uh, Adi Hütte. And they've all had, you know, they've been fairly successful. Um, the obvious link over the last six months or so has been with Borussia Dortmund and he would suit them with the way they play and the players they have. But I don't think that, I, I hope that's not going to happen at least because I, I feel it's a big, too big of a jump. You know, Leipzig would be more reasonable. Um, but it's perhaps not the right time with Julian Nagelsmann, who's likely to be there for the next two or three years at least. Um, but yeah, he can definitely make the jump and the German Bundesliga would be the sort of natural progression for him because of, firstly, the language, secondly, the way, it, the, the fact that he worked there before and third, the football that's more suited to the German Bundesliga than say, I don't know, the Premier League or whatever. Um, but eventually the, there is a top-level European club waiting for him, certainly, and hopefully in time, or at least I hope so, that it, it, by 2026 he can work with the American national team because they're hosting the World Cup and they have such a talented group of players. Yeah, that's very true. That's an interesting point I actually didn't consider. Um, I, th- I think sometimes looking at 2026, I-, I don't know, I haven't considered that yet. It's a bit too yeah. far in the future for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, with the US and, and North America hosting that, I think it'd be excellent to see yeah, someone like Jesse yeah. Yeah, that would be brilliant. You know, with the likes of Gio Reyna and 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 um, and Brendan Aronson, who who's gonna, I, I assume he'll announce himself to European audiences as soon as he gets over. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it'll be an interesting one. But yeah, everything that I've seen of Jesse Marsh, you know, he he seems like a very well spoken guy. Yeah. Um, and 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 has clearly worked to to sort of get to where he is. You know, yeah. if he if he were to take a job like the Leipzig job, it would be sort of representative of, of of an upward coaching progression you know going from sort of New York Red Bulls in MLS to being the assistant at Leipzig and then taking the Salzburg job you know it would be sort of the pinnacle of his yeah, I don't know his sure. his climb up the the Red Bull ladder um so to speak um you know uh, just on the topic of Leipzig though you know we've we've discussed um, we've discussed Salzburg and, and their academy successes and how, you know, the, the Red Bull model has worked there sort of to a T really. Um, you know, th- their success, I mean, relatively, Leipzig's success has been massive, you know, back-to-back campaigns in, in the knockouts of the European premium club competition. Um, Nagelsmann at the helm, one of the most exciting and innovative young coaches in in the world but I mean, they ha- they haven't had nearly the same success from, from an academy standpoint as Salzburg. Do you think it's it's harder to replicate in a tougher league, uh, or I don't know, has there been sort of structural problems there which Salzburg haven't been burdened by because the stature of the club or the scrutiny isn't isn't perhaps there? What, what do you think it is? Yeah, it's a, it's once again multiple factors coming into play at one time, and it's not just stuff that's on the pitch; it's off it as well and the, the area they're in. You know, I spoke to a couple of people related who could tell me on the issue, and one of them told me about how Leipzig don't have a high-level academy around them uh, because they are based on the eastern side of Germany, you know, the old East Germany, and you know, other clubs like Bayern or Dortmund are based on the more western side, where they have appropriate structure and appropriate resources resources around them to get top players. You know, Bayern Munich have clubs like Augsburg and Nuremberg around them, so they can easily poach players, or even the, the south of Austria but they can easily poach players for the academy and get the best uh, talent in that area. Dortmund is similar because they have play- uh, they have cities like Bochum and Bielefeld near them. So there's there's a clear football structure around them to poach players who are around 12, 13 or 14 years old. But Leipzig don't have that because they're in the more eastern side of Germany and eastern Germany is 
perhaps it was more it was affected more more uh by the fall after the fall of the wall where um you know they were struggling financially and in in terms of especially sports resources not just football um you know players like max arnold who who now play for wolfsburg they were all born on the eastern side but they moved more west to get more football opportunities and it's the same for jordan Turuni riga who now plays at hertha um so leipzig in time now they've they've recognized the issue and in time maybe 5 6 years from now there will certainly be more academy players coming through and as you mentioned the pressure of playing in the german bundesliga and the pressure to succeed in the german bundesliga is far greater than uh, the pressure of playing or succeeding in the austrian bundesliga because of the finances involved and uh, you know what's at stake if winning going in the champions league is almost an expectation for leipzig but um, for salzburg it's perhaps more easier because of the financial might they have so they don't really want to take a risk and they want to perhaps go with the more experienced players. Um, but it's something they're addressing for sure. You know, uh, they came, the club came out, you know, Marcus Kroos, the, the sporting director, came out and said that he's launched a, a big five-point plan where um, he he hopes to see more academy players coming through and playing in the first team in the next three or four years. So there's still a club that's still in its infancy in a way. They're just 11 years old. Um, so maybe by the time they realise that they have more a bigger squad, a more talented squad to work with. They will they will employ more younger players in their in their first team setup. Yeah, it's always an interesting debate on on Leipzig because, of course, I think a lot of the time people may forget that yeah they are the the one of the few major clubs or at least major clubs now in Germany that, that is on the eastern side, which, as you mentioned, was was t- traditionally more sort of deprived in the socio economic yeah. sense. Um, so. It, it's 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 obviously going to throw up um you know perhaps fewer players and and, and a a smaller diaspora to to pick from you know we we've, we've discussed on this podcast before sort of how south london is sort of a a well of talent because it's such a densely populated area with mm-hmm. just so many influences whereas i think east germany you know it's it's perhaps not as much of a, 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 a as a desirable place to live because of the economic opportunities as the west is so um yeah naturally you know they're going to be at a disadvantage yeah. there but yeah and i didn't sorry i mentioned this earlier as well um they've they've tried to address that by um in a way looking at international talents you see in their recent years if you look at their transfer history they've tried to sign younger players you know players around the age of 16 or 17 or 18 um, who have been playing at successful clubs abroad, clubs like Ajax or Manchester City, and they've tried to bring them to their academy and so that they can play in the first team for Leipzig eventually. So they count as academy players because they've spent their last few teenage years in the in the Leipzig academy. You know, if you look at players like um, Hugo Nova, who's coming from Manchester City, or um, Noah Ohio, who's coming from Ajax, um, they've tried to address the issue in their academy by playing players from abroad. So it's something they're working on for sure, and in time it will work out. Sorry for interrupting you there, yeah. No, no, that's that's completely true. Um, It's a point that I wasn't even going to get onto, but it's a very good one as well. Like, you know, Noah Ohio is a good example of that. You know, I think with with sort of the influx of of players moving to different areas, um, his is an interesting case uh, because, again, you know, again, one of the the more, I don't know, uh, naturally talented players that you you would have seen before he moved to to Leipzig and, and to take on that move at such a young age, you know, it just shows that, you know, there's there in in the, as you were saying in sort of four, five, six years to come, there will be a pull for for for, for even even more young players, yep. um, and especially sort of with with the new Brexit ruling, um, well, not Brexit ruling, but you know the new work permit rules in in the UK that will prevent sort of um, English clubs from signing uh, foreign youngsters under the age of eighteen. You know, that's going to 
I don't know, open the door for, I don't know, more elite prospects to to sign for an RB Leipzig as opposed to a Manchester City now. Um, actually, to be fair, City's probably not a good example because of all the umbrella clubs that they've got. But, um, you know, like a Liverpool or, or, or Chelsea, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does, yeah, it does make for, for interesting sort of food for thought over the next few years. Um, actually, just on that point of, you know, umbrella clubs and, and uh, football and networks, do you think that, you know, obviously Red Bull is, is a massive one um, with, with clubs all over the world, but do you think it sets perhaps a, a dangerous precedent that, you know, building that umbrella network a bit like the Red Bulls and, and City Football Group um, is, is, is dangerous it, because it endangers fair competition or, you know, because, you I mean, you know, you look at the knockouts of the Champions League and you have, you know, all, all the teams from the big five leagues, but, you know, you have energy drink conglomerates, clubs funded in all but name by Royal Houses, you know, is that I don't know. Is that where people want club football to go in the in the twenty twenties? Well, see, people definitely don't want it to be in in going in that direction. But it's nothing we alone can control as fans. In the end, I mean, as I said before, I don't endorse what Red Bull do, but in the end, people do like it. So, um, yes, it's it's pretty dangerous for football that this is how it's going. You know, it does give clubs an unfair advantage. Uh, Leipzig and Salzburg, they they both play at a very high level and some Salzburg players moved to Leipzig, so they already have that sort of experience that other clubs in the Bundesliga don't have. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's pretty unfair in that sense, and there's a lot of flaws that need to be solved. Um, but that is the direction football is going in. In the end, it's not just City or Liverpool, or City or Leipzig that do it. Even the there's there's a rumor of Liverpool's owners starting a similar network called the Red Ball. Uh, group. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on the specifics of it, but that's how it is. And I'm sure it'll become more of a thing in the future where bigger clubs get involved with more umbrella clubs and try to form links like that so that they can succeed. Because in the end, the way I see it, football now, especially in the top five leagues, apart from maybe Germany, it is a game for the people with the money in the end. So they want to make the most they can out of it. And there's very little space for the voice of fans. So as much as we don't want it, it's something we can't avoid in, in the end. And I hope, it's, I hope there's some ruling that avoids it, but it, there's not much we can control. No, that's true. That's that's definitely true because, yeah. I mean, you look at you know, the, the the fan protests, um, obviously when fans were allowed in stadiums in, in Germany over uh, Red Bull Leipzig, uh, RB Leipzig, sorry, uh, and their, uh, their, their model, their ownership model. Um, you know, despite all those protests, it doesn't really affect all that much on the pitch because they've yeah. gone from strength to strength. They've, they've employed the best coaches. They've signed the best players. You know, they've, they've, they've run it effectively like a, like a very successful business, like, like um, Red Bull is. So, you know, there's, it, 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 I don't know, it does make for a dangerous precedent, but at the same time, it's, it's producing quality football. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's definitely a trade off there in terms of, you know, do you want to sell, do you want to sell the soul of your club to 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 have uh, riches and and under undefined success? I, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask, you know, the the respective clubs. But yeah, um, yeah it, it would be it would be very interesting to sort of speak to someone who was a diehard uh, fan of of RB Leipzig before they became RB Leipzig or mm-hmm. RB Sal- or Red Bull Salzburg. So yeah, it would be it'd be interesting to to know that. But just back onto sort of the the player uh, side of things. Um, and and onto Red Bull Salzburg because they are sort of the the intriguing club that play in European competition with all these young players who who will go off um, to to various different destinations like an airport departures board. <laughs> um, which which of this Salzburg squad do you think 
uh, are, are really, really set for, for big, big things? Um, the, the easy answers would be Pat Sindaka. Um, he's obviously probably the, the best of the lot. Uh, Seiko Kuita, as you mentioned, is another good one. Uh, Noah Kofor is coming up. He's 20 years old still. Um, eventually, I think maybe in two or three years when he takes over in the first team and he gets a chance, a consistent run of games every every season, he'll eventually become that sort of player. But there's a few players in the academy as well. You know, I mentioned Karim Adeyemi. He's come through this season and hopefully he gets more of a run in the first team. I think he's the next big thing. I think eventually uh, he will move to Leipzig because he's the sort of player they need, you know, an attacking source. So, Like a mini Timo Werner, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is, absolutely. Um but he's the sort of player Leipzig need, and if they don't, if they don't fix up their forward issues this summer, this year, the season, sorry, um, he might even move as early as next season. Um, but he's definitely a player I'm marking to move to Leipzig. But there's other players as well, you know, Benjamin Sesko, still teenagers, Lukas Susic. They're all young players coming through. Lukas Susic is one I'm particularly interested in because he's Austrian, and um, the Austrian national team, of course, is very in a very good phase where they have a lot of good players, but not exactly playing to their strengths. So. Hopefully they qualify for the World Cup and they can show it off and Susan will be part of it. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, as we said before, as one player leaves for them, another one is ready in, in, in ready to go and play for the first team. So there's a lot of players coming through. Yeah, so you know they'll get opportunities, essentially. It's not going. Yeah. It's not like you're going to have a Phil Foden situation where they play practically no football for three years and, and it's all in the name of development and, and timing it right. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be football there for them. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Benjamin Sesko and, and Luka Sucic, um, because they they were the two players who sort of were escaping my uh, escaping my mind. I couldn't couldn't put my they were on the tip of my tongue. I couldn't I couldn't remember them. Um, but Sucic is, is an interesting one, as you say, because you know um, he, he's he's eligible for Austria. Uh, I think he's a Croatian yeah, under he is, yeah. under twenty under twenty something international. I can't say um, I might he might be under twenty one. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think with with Austria's group for the World Cup, I think they've got Denmark and Scotland as sort of the the main threats. And you have to say um, that you know if you were an Austria supporter, then you know you're you're looking at that group and thinking we could have had any amount of um, huge European nations, and we've ended up as sort of with with Denmark as our top seed to face. So yeah, there's there's definitely scope to say that you know we might see Lukas Vucic at, at the 2022 World Cup. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully, um, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. And and I think regardless, I think we'll definitely see some RB Sal- uh, Red Bull Salzburg um, representation there uh, mm-hmm. in Qatar next year. Uh, well, in two years' time, um, which would be which would be very good. Um, that does appear to be everything I had on my list uh, I'd like to cover. Um, but if you'd like to learn more about uh, the Red Bull model or, or read about Salzburg's scouting success um, by the very Minyashai, um, then absolutely do check out uh, Wings of Change. Um, you know, Karen, I don't know if you've got anything you'd like to add, but do feel free to sort of give a final sort of brief on on, on the book and, and give it a plug because I'm sure so many people would be would be interested to, to to hear about the book, but also sort of to to get their teeth into it as well. Yeah, Wings of Change, it basically looks at um, Red Bull's involvement in football over the last 15 years with, the, with a small hint on um, what they've been doing in, across all sports over the last almost three decades now. Um, but yeah, the book is mainly covering the origins of the Red Bull football family, which is focusing on their four clubs. And then it goes into, as we've spoken on this podcast, what they do and how they do it so successfully with regards to players and coaching. And it includes a few exclusive interviews with people like Ernst Tanner and Shabash Schlaga, who now plays for Wolfsburg, and, play, and players like Bradley Phillips as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an overall look at what they've been doing over the last almost, 
one and a half decade and um, it's available for sale right now on Amazon and most book retailers. Excellent. Well, I implore anyone who's who's interested in in, in finding out more to to go and check that out. Um, and and great that you actually I didn't know you had an interview with Zava Schlaga in there or or, or Bradley Wright Phillips. That yeah. they were great to to chat to. Yeah, he was Schlaga was very interesting. Um, he was obviously part of the team that won the youth league, so mm. uh, he was very complimentary about the way they operate and Marco Rosa as well. So he's a fun fun person to talk to. Even though it was a very short conversation because um, we spoke around the time lockdown ended in germany and the, the bundesliga was restarting so he didn't really have much time but it was a fun conversation no definitely i imagine so um but yeah uh, definitely check that out um in the meantime though thank you very much for tuning in to the scouting football podcast uh, and thank you to karen for giving up his time um this has been scouted football's insight into red bull salzburg and, and the wider red bull footballing model um see you next week bye for now